Um, if we could, and I don't mean to make anyone feel uncomfortable, so if you don't like holding people's hands, just deal with it. Um, <laughs> um, you know, obviously we all know, unless we were out of the country or something, that a real tragedy took place this week in Connecticut. Um, and then someone told me yesterday that some crazed person went into a school in China with a knife and did the same thing. You know, I, I don't know how many people were killed, but, you know, 20 kids were stabbed in China. And so if we could, could you just maybe turn around, grab the hands around you, make little circles, uh, however you want to do it. Just turn around and grab the hands and you turn around and we'll all just kind of hold hands with each other. And I, I'm just going to pray for these families <clears throat> that were so impacted. Come on, some of you engineers, you can figure this out. All right. <laughs> all right, let's just bow our heads. Lord God, um, it's at times like these that we really, <clears throat> we don't really have words to express what we're feeling in our hearts. And so we'll do our best, Lord God, to just try to enter into uh, a little bit of what these folks must be feeling, Lord, who suffered such an incredible tragedy in their lives. Father, the pain they must be feeling the overwhelming grief in their hearts. If we could just put ourselves in their place for a moment, Lord. We don't want to step outside and try to protect our emotions from what they may be feeling because then we can't pray properly. So, Father, allow us just for a moment to try to enter into the, the depth of their, of their hurt, their confusion, Father, we, we, with our hearts, all of us pray, with all of our hearts, that you would comfort, that you would come around these families, both in Connecticut, and we're not really sure as much what happened in China, Lord God, but there as well. Pray that you would surround these hurting families with a peace that only you can give, that you would speak to them in a place in their hearts where only you can speak. Father, that you would love them and, and encourage them and give them strength. Give them your grace. Give them whatever they need, Lord God, to get through this difficult time. I pray that the body of Christ there in Connecticut would just surround those families with such love and such encouragement that, Father, they would feel your presence. Father, that you would reach down and touch them in, in, in their, touch their hearts so they literally feel, Lord God, your, your, your healing hand on their lives. Pray that you would bring beauty out of the ashes. Father, we don't know how, but we pray that in some way that you would turn this around, that, that good would come from this evil, from this tragedy, from this, this horror that they have to endure, that you through your power will somehow bring good from it. Father, we know we live in a fallen world and we know these things are going to continue to happen and just pray to your God that you would, uh, you would allow us as the body of Christ to, to reach out with love and, and that we would not only pray this morning but throughout the weeks and the months to come, Lord God, that we would lift these families up, that we would feel their pain and feel their burden and lift them up, Lord God, to you 
as we think about them and what they're going through and what their holidays must be like even now. Father, we love you, we trust you, and we put them in your hands and ask, dear God, that you would do a miracle, do multiple miracles, do miracles all throughout the lives of the people there, Lord God. And we'll give you the praise and glory for everything we know you're going to do in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. As you're being seated, I want to go over a couple other things. One of the, one of the things I thought was really really cool for, for our church as I was talking to David, our youth pastor, yesterday, and he was saying that one of the things that junior high and high school would like to do in a practical way is to write letters to the first responders, all of those folks who were on the scene and as people are going into churches and people are huddling around each other and comforting each other, you know, those first responders so often, you know, they don't get to participate in some of those types of, of activities where they're being comforted and they're being encouraged. So what, what the youth ministry thought they would do is write letters to, they got the addresses of the different the fire department, the police department, all the, all the EMT places and just... Um, and it's going to write letters of encouragement and support and thanks to, to those folks. You know, it, it, at times like these, we want to come up with practical ways that we can help. And I think that's a very practical way. And I'm, I'm really proud of our youth ministry for thinking of that and following through with that and, and uh, wanting to touch lives in such a, a, a very specific way. Uh, a couple of other things that I want to uh, encourage you by. Number one, if you weren't here last week, we were talking about the different mission trips we're going to be going on and how we can reach out and touch lives around the world. If you are interested in any of the trips, they're all lined up back there. There's four or five different trips that you can be a part of. If you'd like to sign up, you're not signing up definitely to go. You're signing up for more information about that particular trip. So we'll be going to, to Africa, we'll be going to India, we'll be going to Mexico multiple times. So if you'd like to be a part of that, make sure you sign up. The other uh, word of encouragement, and then a little, a little uh, a word of encouragement as well in a different way. Um, we were able to raise the uh, matching $25,000 over the last few weeks, and uh, that's a real blessing because that puts us in a place where we're going to be uh, strong going into 2013, um, and I know the year-end giving will continue, um, and so 2013 looks strong. So I can say these next few words without anyone thinking, oh, he's just saying that because he wants, to give, he wants people to give more. Um, not at all, because we're in a strong place. Uh, so again, it makes me feel good about saying it in this situation. What I did notice, what I was told by the people who do the counting and the financial people is that there were a few people who really stepped up and, and these aren't people just overflowing with all kinds of resources, but they stepped up and they sacrificed to, to make that match a reality. And I think that's fantastic. And thank you for sacrificing. Thank you for giving. But what else, what struck me as well is that I know there are folks within the body, anybody that, anybody of Christ that feel like, ah, you know, other people will take care of that. And I think that's a mistake. Um, one, of the, one of the things about our church that I care about, what I care about most in our church is that we're a healthy church. And it's unhealthy when you, if you ever get to the point where just a few, and we're not there, but where a few are supporting the church and others are not, that's just not a healthy place to be. And it's not a healthy place for an individual to be spiritually if you're not giving. Um, and again, uh, we're, we're fine. So 
But for, for your personal life, if you're not giving because, well, I don't have enough or I don't have this, um, those are all good excuses for not giving. But you need to start giving something to participate within the body of Christ in that way for, your, for yourself, not for what it's going to do, how it's going to impact the future, and, but for yourself first and foremost in your relationship with Christ. You cannot grow spiritually if you are not willing to open up every area of your life and say, Lord, this belongs to you. And I want to really, really encourage everyone, if you're not giving, start giving something. I'm not saying 10%. That, you know, those, we can talk about that. But just start giving something to participate so that we're all in this together. And all, you'll see how God will truly impact your life in a powerful way as you begin to give to him. Whether it's at Grace Chapel or, or some other organization, a Christian organization, just begin to give so that your spiritual life can continue to move forward because you cannot grow spiritually at a certain point if, you're, if your heart is closed and you're not willing to give. So I want to give you that encouragement as your pastor, as your spiritual leader. That's part of a big part of your spiritual walk that you begin to give in that way. All right. Um, so we, you know, that, that was kind of a little bit of a little sway off what we're normally going to do this morning with the prayer. So let me just, uh, let me just say a quick prayer and then we'll, we'll move into the sermon. Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Father, thank you for this body. Thank you for their passion. Thank you for their heart. Thank you for their desire to move your kingdom forward. And I pray, dear God, that you will continue to move in our lives individually and as a church as we reach out and touch the lives of others all around us. We pray, dear God, that you just uh, allow us to open up our minds, open up our hearts, and hear from you this morning that we would walk out of here different people than when we came in. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Don't you know each cloud contains banners from heaven? (laughs) You'll find your fortune falling all over town. Be shedding your umbrella. It's up, 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 upside down. And trade them for a package of sunshine and ravioli. Macaroni. If you want the thing you love. You did it. Congratulations. World's best cup of coffee. Great job, everybody. It's great to meet you. Oh, you have. Hi. Now, come over here, boy. <laughs> Sam. And every time it rains, it rains. And don't you know it's confident? Every time it rains, it rains. And don't you know it's confident? Sit. Sit. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, I know that trying to reach out and touch one, as we've been talking about, doesn't always work out the way you planned. Okay, you have a heart to reach out and and impact the life of someone and you you invest your life in that person or you try to do something kind and and it doesn't always work out the way you wanted it to work out. It becomes a little discouraging. One of my favorite clips in this movie is the one I think it's because I'm a hugger. But when he's walking down the path, coming into New York and the raccoons on the path and he goes, oh, do you need a hug? And the thing jumps on him. They start rolling around the ground. I'm sorry. I think that's funny. But. But, you know, you, you, try to, you try to reach out, you know. Oh, do you need to, oh, how can I help you? And, and things don't always work out the way you plan. Some of you have incredible stories of you've invested in someone's life and it didn't turn out so well. You tried to extend a hand and it got slapped. 
But I'm here this morning to tell you not to give up. Don't give up. Because sometimes we get discouraged and we feel like, you know, why, why am I even doing this? So my question this morning to us is, what would happen? Instead of giving up, what would happen if each one of us consciously thought through this morning? One person, thought of one person that we could reach out to and touch this Christmas and in this coming year. One person that we could invest in this year. Even over the next few weeks, we thought, oh yes, this, I've, I've seen this person before and I've never really had a chance to talk to them, but I'm going to take the energy to invest in their lives. Well, this morning, I want to look at, I want to look at three actions that we can take as we move forward and invest and impact the lives of others in the world and change the world. I want to look at three actions that we can take as the body of Christ, as individuals, as we try to impact the lives of other people and change the world. Now, when I say change the world, I talk about changing the world. Um, a lot of you automatically turn off because you're, you're thinking to yourself, I am so sick and tired of people talking about changing the world and the world never changes. I've heard it since I was younger. Oh, we're going to change the world. Oh, we're going to change the world. And, it, and it, from your perspective, things don't seem to be changing. So it's frustrating for you to hear people talk about changing the world. And the other people shut down because they say to themselves, you know what? I, I'm not in a position where I can really change anything. Change anyone. Change, you know, it's just, we should leave changing the world to those in positions of power and to those who have the resources and the influence to change the world. And that's what your mindset is. So I want to, but I, I want to move you out of that mindset this morning because that's not what the Bible teaches. It's not what it teaches. In Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 5, it says this, A wise man has great power and a man of knowledge increases strength. The power to change the world is in the hands of every single follower of Jesus Christ. The power to impact lives which will then translate into a changed world, is in our hands. God has designed us and purposed us as individuals and to come together as a body to make a difference in our world. And God has given us that strength. Now you, be, now you might be asking, well, how do I do it? How do, how do I do that? Well, there are so many little things that we can do that will have a big impact. So many small steps that we can take that will influence our world. Things that everyone can do, not just those with the power, not just those with the resources, because to be really honest with you, some of the people that you, we, we have sat back as a country, if you will, for years waiting for those in power to really reach out and sacrifice and blah, 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 blah. And what we end up with is frustration sometimes. Because God designed it so that the individual would reach out to those around them and impact the lives of those around them. And in so doing, we would make a difference in the world. And if that, if that means some politicians using their gifts and abilities to do that, great. If that means the president, great. If that means that's great. But that doesn't take the responsibility away from the body of Christ. God has given us the power in Christ to do it. And we can do it. And we don't have to do it in, in broad, miraculous ways. And that the way we sometimes think we can do it through small steps. See, sometimes our lack of influence, our lack of impact uh, comes from our own minds. It's really it comes out of our own thought process. 
The reason we don't have influence, the reason we're not impacting lives is our minds aren't where they need to be. Our thoughts are not where they need to be. Our thought processes are not where they need to be. Kelly Ellsmore said this, if we change our thoughts from it's too late to there's still hope, we might see some change in the world. One thing that I've learned as I've, as I've gone through life is if you think you're powerless, you are. If you think you're powerless, you are. If you get in your mind that somehow you're not, you're not capable of doing this because of some circumstance or you don't have the strength or I don't have the whatever, if, that's what you, if you think you're powerless, then you usually are. Because you have, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You don't think you can do it, so you don't try to do it, so it doesn't happen. And that's what the Bible tells us. We cannot, we cannot get in that mindset. So the first action I would like you to take is to change your way of thinking. Each one of us, we need to change the way that we think. Imagine the impact that we could have on families within our church, within our community, all over the world. Imagine the impact we could have on families. Imagine the impact that we could have on marriages. Imagine the impact of the change that we could see in our friends and in our neighbors if we would just have the right way of thinking, the right thought process. Imagine the impact that we could have on their lives if we would just recognize who we are in Jesus Christ and not listen to the enemy. Imagine the difference that we could make in lives if we would change our minds from our old way of thinking or the wrong way of thinking to a new way of thinking and realizing and understanding the truth of who you are in Jesus Christ. We've talked about this before. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, right? That's who we are. Imagine if we truly believe that, the impact that we could make. Too often we think that our small efforts won't make any difference at all. Our small efforts won't make a, a really big difference in the world. We, we, we think helping people requires some massive effort. If you don't have some massive effort, if we don't, you know, if you're not able to just do this and it's on, it's on Fox News and if you don't have this massive effort to change everything, nothing's going to change. All too often we feel small and that our small efforts will not do anything to change the world. And the reality is that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's the reality. Our minds are not thinking clearly. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The reality is you reach big goals through small efforts. That's reality. We will reach big goals by our small efforts, our small steps. You you know the old saying, how, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? One bite at a time. If someone gave you a fork and said, eat that elephant, you'd say, that's impossible. You know what? If you put a little salt, no, I'm just kidding. You can eat that. You can do it one bite at a time. And if you had 50 of your friends come alongside you with forks, then you could eat that elephant a little quicker. Something that seems overwhelming can be, can be done if we take one step at a time. You know, I have a philosophy in life. And it's worked for me uh, for years. This, I, I, uh, it came to me when I was in Mexico, in Monterey, one of our first trips down there. 
And uh, we wanted, we were at Casa Hogar Douglas, one of the first uh, children's homes that we were working with. And they said, we need to get a parking lot laid out here, gravel. And they said, well, you're on this team, you're on that team. And, and they, they, they backed the trucks up and they poured two gigantic truckloads of gravel on the ground. They handed me a shovel and they said, have at it. Get her done, you know. And I'm standing there with my shovel, and shovels aren't that big, and I'm standing in front of a gigantic pile of gravel, thinking to myself, this is going to take years. In a sense, it can't be done by one person. But instead of, instead of arguing, I took my shovel, and I did something. I lowered my head. I got my hand. My, and it was an old, uh, old German told me how to get, you know, shovel. He said, you know, put your forearm against your legs. You don't hurt your back. And I just stuck that shovel in there and threw that gravel over my shoulder and stuck that shovel there and threw that gravel over my shoulder. And I, you know what happened to that pile after about an hour? started going down. That big pile over time with the shovel in the ground started to go down. Four or five people were off their job and they started helping me. They grabbed shovels. And within a couple hours, there was a parking lot. There was no mountain of gravel there anymore. And I realized God, God, he burned this on my brain. When you're facing something that you feel is overwhelming, you don't give up. It's small steps, one shovel at a time, one shovel at a time. You have a vision, you have a dream, one shovel at a time. Keep moving forward. Don't give up. And you can accomplish it. But see, we have the wrong thinking. We think we're too small, it takes too long, it's never going to happen. We can eat the elephant one bite at a time. So this morning, I'm not asking you to go, go out by yourself and change the whole world. What I'm asking you to do is to change the life of one person. I want you to think of one person. I want you to be investing in one person's life. I'm not asking you to do, to, to do the impossible, though the Bible says all things are possible with God. Together, we can do it. With his help, we can do it. But I'm not asking you to go out and do the impossible. I'm asking you to invest in the life of one person. You can make a commitment, my friends, to help one person in some small way. And if you make that commitment to help one person in a very small way, I, I will bet you, I, I'll be curious to see how God is going to use your small effort to impact the life of that person and everyone around that person. Can you imagine, I mean, can you imagine just sitting back and if you could get to the other side, okay, now you can get to heaven and, and see eternity, the lives that will be transformed by those little acts of service. You can make a commitment to help one person with something small and who knows how God's going to use that simple act of kindness. Who knows how God's going, let me give you an example, teaching someone to read. I don't know if any of you are a teacher, how many, how many of you are teachers, I know many of you are teachers, or you're in a position to teach someone to read. If you teach one person to read, you change that person's life. They can now read menus, and they can read instructions, and they can read signs, and they can read books, and they have confidence. You change that person's life. And when they get married, and they have children, they teach their children how to read, and they don't have those same hang-ups and fears, and those children go on and do even more things, and it spreads out. It becomes full circle when you invest your life in just one person. It makes such a difference in that person's life. What you do may very well change the world for that one person. And that one person can change the world of everyone in their sphere of influence. 
It happens all the time. Think about Jesus' interaction. Jesus changed Zacchaeus' life. Zacchaeus was the tax collector. And Jesus changed his life. You remember what the Bible says happened after Jesus changed his life? In Luke chapter 19, in verse 8, it says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, he said, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Four times the amount. Jesus changed his life and he changed the life of everyone around him. When you touch one, you touch many. It's just the way it is. We need to get that ingrained in our minds. When you touch one, you touch many. Jesus reached out and touched Zacchaeus' life. Can you imagine how the community was transformed? He was no longer stealing money from people. That's because that's what he was doing. He was saying, Lord, if I cheated anyone, because I have cheated a lot of people, I'll pay them back four times the amount. Can you imagine the lives that have been were transformed then because Jesus invested in him and he went back and said, I need to make this right. You invest in someone's life. And listen, I'm not blaming anyone for what happened in Connecticut. I, I don't know all the circumstances. I wouldn't want to try to place blame on anyone. All I'm saying is this. You never know the impact you will have when you touch one person's life, one quiet person alone by themselves, you don't know very well, they might be a little socially awkward, but you know what? You decide you're going to reach out and touch that person's life. You don't know what that's going to do this side of heaven. The lives that you will change for, forever, for generations, by impacting the life of one person person. So many things have not happened because good people have invested in other people's lives and have stopped tragedies from happening because they've invested, they've touched one person. And we don't know that because it doesn't happen. But we're going to know it when we get to heaven. We have the mind of Christ and he tells us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thank you for talking to me when no one else would. Thank you for investing in me when no one else would. It changed so much. You know, real little side note, there are at least three people in this church who have their homes because we invested in their lives. We gave them resources to help them keep their homes in 2012. There are at least three families in this church who still have their homes because of your sacrifice, because of what you gave. Tithing isn't something that we just use to put the lights on. It's something that we use to touch people's lives and it impacts people's lives. And imagine those three families not being in a position where they have a home, had to move someplace else or uh, what, uh, what they would have done. But they didn't have to. And families, whole families were transformed because someone cared enough to invest in someone else's life. The second action I'd like you to take is to change yourself. To change yourself. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6, I love this verse, says, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with, with them, and you will be changed into a different person. You will be changed into a different person. One of the things I love most about being a Christian, okay, one of, I just love it, I love this, is that you can become a different person. Who you were 10 years ago, I, the fact, if you, I've, t I've said this before, but if you talk to someone who knew me 30 years ago and you were talking about the same Jeff career, they said, ah, no, nah, we're talking about a different person. 
I am a different person than I was 30 years ago. I'm a different person than I was a week ago. God is constantly working in my life. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is constantly working in your life to change you into a different person. You need to change. We need to change. We need to change ourselves if we want to see change in the world. Leo Tolstoy said, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing themselves. Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing themselves. I think it's so true. You want to make a difference in the world? You want to make a difference in your family? You want to make a difference at work? You want to make a difference in your school? You want to make a difference with your friends? You want to make a difference with your spouse? Change yourself. You can impact the lives of so many people by changing yourself, by focusing a little bit. I'm not talking selfishly. You know what I'm talking about. By focusing on yourself and saying, you know what, to be a stronger person, to be the person God needs me to be, I need to make some changes in my life. I need to, I need to, to, to impact my, my own personal life in a very powerful way. We will not change this world until we do something, uh, kind of a phrase that I like to use, until we change our stinking thinking. Some of us have just stinking thinking. You've had stinking thinking for too long, my friends. It's stinking thinking. You're not going to change the world until you change your stinking thinking and you change the weaknesses that you have. Every single one of us has personality flaws. Every single one of us brings baggage with us, okay, from the past. Every single one of us, maybe you've overcome yours, but you brought it and you overcame it. Every single one of us has all these things that go in. We have a sinful, we, we, we have that sin nature constantly battling against our new nature and all of those things. And what we need to do is we need to look at ourselves in the mirror sometimes and we need to say, God, help me become a better and stronger person for you. Help me to become more like you. Help me to change. Because what, what, well, here's what happens if you don't do that. Your, your, your parents told you about the, your personality issue. Your, 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 your siblings told you. Your friends told you. Your spouse has told you. Your, your boss maybe has told you. People around you kind of lay the hints in there or they don't want to be. And all of a sudden, here's, here's what some people do. They, you're just, they're all just idiots. All of them. Everyone's an idiot. They're just stupid. Or, they, or people in my family, in the past, or these people are gone now, but would say things like, um, uh, that's how God made me. They would, be, they, would, they would do something that's not very helpful, and they would say, that's the way God, you have, you have to accept me because that's how God made me. No, that's called sin in your life, and you need to change. You need to be changed. We want to change the world. We need to start right here with Jeff Greer. Jeff Greer needs to change himself first before he can really change anyone else. So some of the main things that we can do, one of the most important actions we can take in changing the world is changing who we are, getting rid of that stinking thinking. So many people, so many people, I'll give you an example, so many people in their thought process think that, that they can find contentment, they can find happiness if they would just had a little bit more. If, whatever, whatever it is, if they just make that one next, if they just had this, if they had a little bit more, they, they, they would, boy, they'd be happy. They'd be so happy. Many of the richest people you'll ever meet, you'll ever talk to, you'll ever hear about, okay, sit around and think to themselves with their stinking thinking, if I just had a little bit more for myself, then I would be happy. If I could just get to this point in the company, if I could just have this salary, if I could just have this house or this car, or whatever the case may be, whatever you want to add to it, then I would be happy. I just need a little more for myself to put me over the edge of happiness, and then I'm happy when I get on the other side. 
And then the other guy, who's not as rich as that guy, sits around thinking to himself, you know, if I could just have what that guy has now, if I could just get to where he is now with that rich guy, then I, then I, would, I, would, be, I would be happy. If I just had what he had, this guy's thinking if he had a little bit more, then he'd be happy. This guy's thinking if I just had what he had, then I'd be happy. And you get this vicious cycle and none of them are happy at all because they have stinking thinking. What they don't realize is that the key to contentment, the key to happiness is not having more. It's being content with less. It's being content with what you have. Paul told us this already in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. He says this, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul said it perfectly. I've learned the secret, the secret of being content. Is that not what this world is after? And Paul says, I've learned the secret. Whatever my circumstances, I can find contentment because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When you decide you can be content with whatever you have, it will change your worldview. It will change your worldview. I don't care if you're on this end of the scale when it comes to resources or this or here. If, if you can understand that you need to be content with where you are now, in a sense, not saying you shouldn't strive to be the best that you can be. You understand the balance here. But Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content in whatever circumstances I find myself. If you can do that, you will change your world view. You will see life from a different perspective. Instead of saying to yourself, I need more, you'll be saying, how can I give more? How can I give more? Giving more instead of wanting, wanting more is a powerful message that you send to your mind and to your heart. When you have a desire to give more instead of want more, you are sending a very, very powerful message to your mind and to your heart. It's a way of saying to yourself, I can have, listen to these words, I can have peace, I can have joy, I can have contentment in my present circumstances. That is powerful, my friends. That is world changing. When you can change yourself to the point where you can say, I can have peace, I can have joy, I can have contentment, I can have happiness, whatever words you'd like to throw in there, when I learn to be satisfied with where God has me now, my present circumstances. What I'm talking about here is a conscious choice, an act of the will. It's changing your mind. It's transforming your mind. It's renewing your mind. That's what we're talking about here. I think the most difficult challenges to overcome sometimes is, that, is, is to fight, is to actually fight to, to, to change the world around us as we're being poured into by the enemy. It is so difficult to overcome the lies and discouragement of the enemy. The enemy is constantly pouring into you, constantly pouring into me these lies and these discouragements. And I think that is one of the most difficult things for us to do, to overcome those lies, to continue to fight forward, to move forward in our own lives as we're being constantly bombarded with all these untruths, with all these half-truths, with all of these, with all these lies. You see, true change can only come in the world when I refuse to give up. 
when I refuse to listen to the lies, when I choose to keep fighting. True change will come when I can do those things. But if, I, if, if when the enemy attacks, I'm constantly on the defensive, I'm not moving forward. We need to be able to stand up at some point in our lives and say, you know what, I've taken enough. I'm no longer going to take it lying down. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to speak the truth and I'm going to live the truth and I'm going to fight for those around me, for myself and for the kingdom. Because my friends, it's always going to come. It's never going to stop. And you need to be strong enough and to surround yourself with people who are strong enough to fight with you and overcome the enemy. Because the enemy is constantly telling us lies in the Matrix trilogy. Mr. Smith echoes some of the same thoughts that our enemy says to us. us. And let me, let me try to get his voice a little bit there. It says, why, Mr. Anderson? Is that good enough? Have you ever seen the Matrix? He says, why, Mr. Anderson? Why do you do it? Why do you get up? Why do you keep fighting? Why do you believe you're fighting for something, for more than your survival? Can you tell me what it is? Do you even know? Is it freedom or truth? Perhaps peace? Yes? No? Could it be for love? Illusions, Mr. Anderson vagaries of perception, the temporary constructs of a feeble human intellect trying desperately to justify an existence that is without meaning or purpose. All of them are as artificial as a matrix itself. Although only a human mind could invent something as insipid as love. You must be able to see it, Mr. Anderson, You must know by now, you can't win. You can't win. It's pointless to keep fighting. Why, Mr. Anderson? Why? Why do you persist? I love the answer. It's because I choose to. Every single one of you, every single one of you who are old enough understand exactly what I'm talking about here. Why do you keep fighting? You remember what happened to you. You remember the past, don't you? You remember all that you've been through. It's been a long time. You're never going to overcome that. Why do you even bother to keep fighting? God's not listening to you. If he was listening to you, he'd answered you already. He's not listening to what you're saying. And there's no, and let me tell you something, even if, even if something happens in your life where you're able to, it has, there's no purpose and meaning in all this anyway. Why do you keep fighting? Why do, you kind of, why do you try to keep moving forward? Why are you even trying to grow spiritually or emotionally or try to overcome anything? What's the use? What's the point? You're too weak. You're too feeble. I've beaten you to a point where you can't even get up emotionally. You're going to talk about, and that's what you hear over and over and over again. And I'm going to tell you, it, my friends, it, overcoming the lies of the enemy takes nothing short of an, than an act of the will. An act of the will. You can sit back and you can doodle around all you want and hear all kinds of tapes and self-help books or whatever else. And at the end of the day, it takes you standing on your feet and recognizing who you are in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit lives in you and the power of the resurrection, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, standing on your own two feet with God standing with you and in you and facing the enemy and having a little bit of an attitude and pushing back. 
moving forward. I've said this multiple times in our church. You talk about the armor of God. You know where the only place a Christian is vulnerable? Someone tell me where a Christian's vulnerable. In the back. The only time you're vulnerable is if you're fleeing, if you're going in the wrong direction. But if you're moving forward, the enemy can't get to your back. But if you're rolled up in a ball or you're running away, you're vulnerable. Stop the running. Stand up. Face the enemy head on all the lies and begin to see the change that you need to see in your life so that you can be a world changer. You can begin to make a difference. You can begin to use not just some of your gifts and abilities, but all of your gifts and abilities. It can all come pouring out on this world. You have so much to offer. No one here was born with no purpose. No one here is here by accident. You're not even hearing my words by accident because some of you really need to hear this. And today needs to be your day. Today needs to be your day to walk out of here and say, enough is enough. I am going to pick up my sword and I'm going to take this on with the help of those around me. Now listen, if you want to impact the lives of others, like I just said, it's going to take a a lot of heavy lifting. That leads me to my third and last point. We need to lift. Lift means to listen, to invest, to focus, and to talk. Listen, invest, focus, and talk. The first thing you need to do is listen. You need to listen to the people around you. You need to listen to what they have to say because when you listen to other people, you begin to hear how you can meet their needs. You need to open up your mind. You need to close your mouth and open your ears and listen to what people are saying. The waitress in your favorite restaurant, you've been going there year after year. You see this person all the time. You need to listen to what she has to say or he has to say. You need to listen to that that person in school who seems to be all by themselves all the time. Maybe you could have the courage. Just you know, I'm gonna tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you took the the nerdy kid who no one wants to talk to, who sits by himself at the lunch table, and you went over and sat down and had a conversation with that kid, in 10 years or 20 years, the only thing, the, the most important thing you remember about high school, the most important thing, the one that you will be most proud of, is that day. Not your A's, not what, 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 how it got you off to your college. The one day that you will sit back and say, this was the greatest day. This was the most important thing in my entire high school career from kindergarten till now. That's what you remember most. And when you get to heaven, that's what Jesus is going to bring up first. He's not going to say, man, what, what an incredible report card here. This is, I'm just, this, I'm so proud of you in ninth grade year. You know what he's going to say. Thank you for sitting down with me at that table. I was so alone. And you took the time to talk to me. And listen, you listened to me. Let me tell you something. Everyone has a story and everyone wants to tell their story. And if you listen closely enough, you'll hear certain things in their story that you can use to impact their lives. They're going to tell you why they, what they feel, why they feel they're alone, why, how that makes, they're going to say all those things. And maybe you, 
For the first time, someone's really going to listen to what they have to say. And maybe you will be the person to impact their lives in such a way that you change, you transform them, you transform their future, you transform their children, you transform everything because you invested in that one person's life because you took the time to listen. The second part of lift is to invest. We need to invest our lives in others. When you invest your lives in others, you multiply your impact and your influence. When I invest in the lives of others, I multiply my impact and my influence on this world. I think Bob Moad said it best. You can't make footprints in the sands of time by sitting on your butt. And who wants to make butt prints in the sands of time? Come on. Truth is truth wherever you get it, right? Truth is truth. I mean, we need to step up. We need to step out there in the world. We can't just talk about it. We need to make a difference. We need to invest. We need to be investing our lives in the lives of others. We need to invest our time, our talents, and our treasures in the lives of others. Investing in the lives of others and just a few people may, may be, listen, investing in the life of one person or a few people around you may be your greatest contribution to this world. That may be it. The greatest contribution you personally will ever make in this world is that you invest in the life of one person. And some people may sit here and think, oh my gosh, that's kind of lame. That doesn't really inspire me. Well, you know what? Ask Abraham Lincoln, who was the most influential person in his life. You know what he's going to say? He's not going to say, this political figure here and this guy led me there. He's going to say, my mommy. My mom. My mother. I don't care how you put it. He, Abraham Lincoln said the most influential person in his life was his mom. My mommy was the most influential person in my life. Let me tell you a fact of life. Fact. Good moms and dads have changed this world. Fact, not arguable. Great moms and great dads have changed this world more than every other king, president, political figure, or CEO who ever walked the face of the earth, put them all together. Great moms alone, let's get rid of dads for a second, great moms have had, more cha- have had more influence and change on this world than every president, every king, every CEO, every political figure that has ever walked the face of this earth, period. Not arguable. Not arguable. Your greatest impact may be investing in the life of your family, it may be investing in the life of one other person who goes out there and influences so, so many people. God has helped me to realize that my greatest contribution in this world, he spoke to my heart years ago and said, your greatest contribution to this world will not be in what you do. It will be in how you motivate and inspire others to go out and make a difference in the world. It won't be in what you do. It will be in what you motivate and inspire others to do. That will be my greatest, that will be my greatest influence on this world. That will be my greatest influence on, on this planet. You know, we all want to be in the spotlight sometimes. That's just life. We all, we all, we, we all want to do that. But as life goes on, you begin to realize that what's truly important in this world is not building monuments it's building momentum. 
And investing in the lives of other people builds momentum. It's building the kingdom of God. It's moving the kingdom of God forward as you invest in the lives of other people and they begin to realize that their potential, they begin to realize what they were created to do. They are a movement. They move the kingdom of God forward. What's important is the kingdom of God. What we need to do is invest in the lives of others. If God, if God took my life right now, honestly, if he took me right, if I dropped dead this moment or a week from now, if I knew I was going to die in two days and I couldn't do anything about it, I would not, I guarantee you, I would not be shaking my fist and wallowing in pity because I truly believe, I truly with all of my heart believe that I would be content with what God has allowed me to be a, a part of accomplishing in this world right now. My family, first and foremost. Grace Chapel, investing in your lives back-to-back ministries, being a part of back-to-back ministries, accomplishing that, self-sustaining enterprise. And I'm going to tell you something. Every single one of those things, my family will be stronger. Grace Chapel, when I'm gone, Grace Chapel will be stronger. Self-sustaining enterprises will be stronger. Back-to-back ministries will be stronger. My family, going forward in generations, will be stronger because I have taken the time to invest in the lives of others. I have taken the time to, to open my hands and say, I'm not going to hold everything like this. I'm going to open it up. God, take it in and out. Use me as you will to invest in other people's lives. And so we feel the freedom, whether we're 50 or 60 or 70, when it's our time, we can go because we know we've done all that we can do to invest in the lives of others. And you all, all of you will live on, especially you younger ones, long past me. But hopefully, some of my words, my hugs, the time I spent teaching, will impact your life for generations. That means something. That means a lot. You can invest in the life of one and change that person's life, and that, my friends, will change the world. Why is it, do you think, that I keep on pushing the idea that when we do this outreach to kids in foster care, that I keep saying, this is not going to be me pushing this forward. It's going to be you pushing this forward. You know why? I believe in your gifts. I believe in your talents. I believe in your abilities to do this. I believe that you can do a better job than I can. All of you can do that. And something more important is God believes it. God believes that you can do it. One of my favorite verses is Leviticus 26, verse 8. It says this, Five can chase a hundred. Five of you can chase a hundred, and a hundred of you can chase 10,000. We invest. Five of you can chase a hundred. A hundred of you can chase 10,000. Look at the math there. Look at the impact, the influence that we can have if we invest in the lives of others. Number, this, is, this is F. In focus, it's focus. Talking about lifting, focus, F. If each one of us will focus on one piece of the vision, if each one of us can just focus on one area of ministry, you can have such an impact. If one of you, if one of you just said, I'm going to go out to the children's leaders and I'm going to say, let me teach this class. I want to teach second graders. That's my group. I'm going to invest my time, my energy. I'm going to focus all of my energy on this group of people. You will change their lives and you will change their families. 
When they get older, their parents won't be struggling as much with the, quote, teenage years because you'll have invested so much now that will carry them through. You can have such an impact on people's lives. If each one of us did one job and did one, of it, one job really well, we could change the course of history for individuals and for families and for society in a lot of ways. We need to be able to focus and, you know, some of you need to, like I said earlier, you need to focus on yourself first. You need to get physically, emotionally, or spiritually healthy. When God tells you, when he calls you to fulfill your purpose in life, you need to be ready. You need to be ready to answer the call. When he tells you to drop your nets, you need to be able to drop them and move. And right now you're not able to because there's some things in your life that are holding you back. You need to work on yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Get yourself in a place. Start now so that you can move when he calls you to move. And you need to remember what we said when we first started this series. We need to remember this, that God has a purpose and plan for your life and you're not the only one who needs you to believe that. You're not the only one. The last is to talk. After you're done listening, you need to talk. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11, it says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. When we finish listening, we need to talk. We need to talk. We need to tell them how Christ can impact their lives. We need to tell them how Christ has impacted our lives. We need to explain that to them and share with them. We need to talk to friends. We need to talk to family. We need to talk to the person sitting on the bench right next to us at a game or in the park or whatever the case may be. We need to talk. You know, when I get on a plane, I don't start the conversation, though some of you don't believe me. When I'm sitting next to someone, I don't start the conversation. But if you start a conversation with me, it always comes back to Christ every single time. Always. Because I figure if I'm going to sit next to you and you're going to talk to me when I'm trying to sleep, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you're going to suck up my precious time then you're going to know about Jesus. No, if, <laughs> no, because I know it's going to come back to Christ and I don't want them to say, oh, I had to sit next to a pastor and he starts talking to you about, you know, you start talking to me, I'm just going to weave it on back to Jesus. You never know where the conversation's going to go when you begin a conversation with someone. As we close, I want to I close with this challenge. What if each one of us, like I said in the beginning, what if each one of us decided that it would be our goal in 2013 to invest in the life of one person? And what if we said that our goal would be to invite that one person to church? We're going to invite that one person to church. Now, some of you are thinking right now, oh, gee, we would double the size of our church. Yeah, that's true, but that's not really the point. That's not really the most important bit of information here. Think about what would happen if those people who you invested in came to know the Lord and began to grow in their spiritual walk. Think about the lives they would then change in the years to come. Think about the lives. That's what we're talking about this whole series. If we can invest in, other, in, in people's lives and they can invest in other people's lives. So if you think of one person that you can invest in that will come to know the Lord, to the, and you're not, you're not Jesus, you're not God, you can't you know, always decide those things. But what if you invested in one person and you changed that one person's life? How many other lives would be completely impacted? Imagine the impact. Our church would be transformed by lives constantly having new people, who having new people who would be transformed. It's new, it, it brings a new energy and vitality to our church because you see so many lives being changed. Imagine the impact we could have on the lives of people in our church and in our community. 
Imagine the people we could help here at home and around the world, my friends, if we would just touch one. Just one. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you for this time that we can spend together. And we, we ask, dear God, that you would just help us to think of a way that, I think of a person first, and then think of a way that we can reach out to that person. Father, I think of this coming Christmas Eve and the service and how people are open to going to church and Christmas and Easter. God, let us touch one person's life over the next week or so and invite someone to church, to that Christmas Eve service, that candlelight service that may have never come to church before or hasn't come in a long time. Father, I pray that you would allow us the privilege to invite and then you would speak to their hearts when they're here. And God, we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory for we know you're going to do in and through us as we're obedient to you in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Now, as we close, the band's going to be singing, um, but I'm going to open the door. So if you need to, if you need to go, I went a little long. I understand that, but we're going to still sing. You can clap, you can carry on and walk out if you like, whatever you want to do. But let's end this with some praise music.